I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed you are, Paul, is... in my hand, Paul! Fan Effect. Hey, everybody, welcome into another episode of Fan Effect, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the best place to see a movie in Utah, or anywhere on the planet for that matter, but especially in Utah well, this is movie talk today, since uh, it's appropriate that the Megaplex Theater sponsors us because uh, a huge movie that I believe is going to destroy box office records, at very least for the pandemic and for sure for 2021, mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. We are three of the privileged people who got to see it before it actually releases on Thursday night. We're recording this before it releases to the public, but we promise uh, there will be a portion where there is no spoilers. Uh, joining me this time, Kellyanne Halverson. Kellyanne, Welcome. Thank you for having me. And Herb Scribner, <laughs> entertainment editor at the Deseret News or Deseret.com. Or I guess it's still a newspaper because I get one every weekend, Herb. Yeah, yeah. that's it's uh, Yeah, we got a weekly newspaper. We got a magazine. We got a website. We got Twitter accounts. It's, it's everything. Everything. Herb, where did you see the movie? Because I didn't see you at the screening. Were you there or did you see it somewhere else? No, I was at the screening. I was in the one of the front rows. Uh, yeah, one of the front rows to it, because I oh. like to get up close and personal. See, I yeah. assumed you saw it at the L.A. premiere, since you were <laughs> posting pictures from Disneyland all during the uh, weekend and leading up to Monday night. So I just assumed you got one of the big boy invites and saw the L.A. premiere. Ugh. Oh, uh, no. Not well, the, cool enough. Not cool enough. Well, you're cool enough to get your private screening on the other one, so, you know, I, I can see why the yeah, assumption was made. Yeah, I also made. wondered if maybe you just got to watch it all by yourself at, like, 3 in the <laughs> afternoon while the rest of us had to wait till 8.30 at so night. So late. No. That, was, that was a very late very late screening. Yeah, no, this one was, uh, I, feel, I feel like they were trying to keep it as like tight-lipped as possible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, no yeah, private they, they, screening. They, we didn't get to see it before anybody. I think that this was, we had to wait till the L.A. screening started also mm-hmm. in order, which was funny. You know, as press, we usually don't have to turn in our phones, but uh, this is the first time I've had to turn mine in. And I actually just went and put it back in the car, but they were not taking any chances, even though it was limited to press only, no guests. I couldn't even bring a kid. I was hoping to bring one of my kids. but Natalie was so upset. She wanted to come so bad. Uh, I know. <laughs> but uh, hey, here we go. And boy, was there a reason, I think, for that. We'll get to mm-hmm. that in a bit. So let's get started then. Let's listen to a clip from No Way Home and just get the uh, adrenaline pumping again as, uh, as we get ready for uh, talking about what's going on. So here we go. Spider, I've only had one week. My life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm 
sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? All right. Plenty to chew on there. And the funny part is, and, and uh, you know, this will be the spoiler-free portion, uh, the, f- the trailer really only shows maybe the first 20 minutes of anything from the first 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's like, as I went through it again, I think there's only like one clip that comes from the second half of the movie. And you wouldn't know because it mixes in so well with the rest of the stuff. But, uh, you know, people who are worried about getting spoiled, you know, <laughs> there's so much movie that you have no idea what's coming. And that's good. That's what we want. That, and they've that, been that's... so tight with it, too. Like, right. And just pleading, no spoilers, please. <laughs> the worst part is when they... Sp- Give away stuff in the trailer that you really would have liked to have seen in the movie. And they did a very, very good job uh, of not doing that with the trailer. So um, let's be honest. The first 20 minutes, it's in the trailer. So um, here's the spoiler-free portion. I loved it. It was great. Herb, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was, in a lot of ways, it was like everything I thought it would be, everything I expected it to be. But then at the same time... Not that, and I know that's very cliche. Um, <laughs> it was everything I expected it to be, but also at the same time, it was nothing like I expected it to be. So it raised your expectations yeah. of, of being a, a film, <laughs> and it also yeah. surprised and you. And I just, I, I just, my big thing is like I've never, I've never been the biggest fan of the the MCU Spider Man movies. I've just, I've been kind of like, um, just not as big of a fan as I was of the the Tobey Maguire ones. And I think that's, but this one, I think joined that level of Spider-Man movie and it be- it became one of my favorites of all Spider-Man movies because uh, I think it just it really connected with me emotionally so that's that's what I'd say alright Kellyanne how about you um, well I was a big fan of the Tobey Maguire movies because I was a big fan of Tobey Maguire like had his picture in my locker hmm. and everything in high school <laughs> Nice, <laughs> but like of the Spider Verses, I love this one, and I also love the what is it, the animated multiverse one from a few years ago, Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse, oh, it's so good. There's a trailer for the new one, Across the Spider Verse. Oh, I will be watching that. When did that come out? Uh, the trailer came out a week or two ago, and I hate when uh, I miss it comes things. out next year. The, oh, the movie does. So okay, I'm excited for that one. But like for this one, I had so much fun in it. I just thought it was an action packed ride for like any Spider-Man fan and the comedy and the peril was really balanced out. Um, there was just some hilarious moments. There were a little bit of slow parts to it as well, but like they kind of worked for where they were going. Uh, but I really think any spider fan is going to really enjoy this and don't spoil stuff for your friends. Cause it is so much fun. Go see it. Go see it on the big screen. Go see it as soon as possible. <laughs> That's I agree. mine. For me, It made top three superhero movies I've ever seen. Really? All right. That's it for the spoiler-free portion. (laughs) We're going to get into spoilers as soon as we get back. Look, go see the movie. If you're listening to this, you already want to see it. So why are we wasting time doing spoiler-free stuff? We got a lot to talk about. And when you see this movie, if if for some reason you're listening before you've seen the movie, you'll be glad we stopped here and you'll get back to us. As soon as you walk out of the theater, you will get on your phone and download this podcast because you've got stuff that you want to discuss. And and I can't wait anymore. I've already had to wait three days. So it's time. We're going to come back from the break and we're going to spoil the hat out of Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. 
Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, this is what you've been waiting for. We've waited for a year. We've waited forever for Spider-Man No Way Home to come out. This is certainly the most anticipated Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I would say this is more anticipated than maybe any of the other ones uh, mm-hmm. that we've had since Endgame. Since Endgame, definitely. Um, you know, I was looking forward to Black Widow. I was excited about Black Widow. Shang-Chi turned out to be really fun. Eternals is fine. But Spider-Man No Way Home, it's breaking box office records. Right. Uh, already, already. It's going to test the <laughs> pandemic. Um, although, I will say, just having done a little bit of box office watching, and Herb, you can join in on this. I don't know how closely you pay attention to that in your entertainment uh, editing position. But a lot of the movies that they kind of thought would break records, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, they were kind of aimed more at, or they were going to have their greatest appeal to people that were a little bit older. And those mm-hmm. have been the ones who seems to have been uh, most... Timid. Timid about going back to the theater. And that kind of, West Side Story, a great example. Great movie. Amazing. Beautiful movie. Loved it. And people are going to watch it. And I think that a lot of them, especially since it's remaking a movie from 1961, Mm -hmm. that they were going to be like, well, I can wait till this comes out on video. It's been 60 years since the first one. What's another six months? And it is. It's way better on the big screen. Mm -hmm. But I can see that. But this is the first one where everybody's already in a lather (laughs) <laughs> about seeing it, and you've got younger viewers who cannot wait to see it. Can't wait. And since there's no multi, you know, there's no, um, there's no simultaneous release. This is it. You see it in theaters, or you don't see it. And if you want to, I mean, I, I saw somebody. I, I don't know, Herb. Do you, if you do anything about uh, p- people's social media reactions, I know you got a, a review up pretty quick. Uh, in fact, I think same night on Deseret dot com, mm-hmm. and I got one up the next day on KSL dot com, but. Um, I think people are not looking at them. I I'd be curious to know: Did you did, is the viewer is the is the page view count on your review what it normally is for a movie? Yeah, actually, this uh, this one was actually higher than most. Really? So people were checking of, it, and you didn't even put non spoilers in your headline or at the top of the article. I was looking for that. <laughs> yeah, I just I went spoiler free. I just kind of did. Here's an immediate reaction. I was to be honest with you though, I was very surprised that there was that kind of readership that night um because normally they don't get that much and then i've also been interested because i did do an article about um you know is there other post-credit scenes and that kind of thing and, and that has actually gotten a lot of viewership too uh so i think i don't know if people have read a lot about this movie and like i've read about you know the leaks the news the rumors and maybe they're reading this stuff to get confirmation about it um because, yeah, even people who, uh, like, anecdotally, people that, like, told me they're going to see the movie have also been reading articles about it. And so, and, and specifically my articles about it, like they said. So it's kind of interesting, um, kind of the readership there. Because I would agree with you. I, I would I would think no one, you know, people would mute their Twitter channels and and not want to watch it or read about it. You know? Well, and that's what I was going to say. I saw a, either a Twitter post or a Facebook post where somebody took a screenshot of their phone of all the things they'd muted on Twitter, and it was like every possible thing related to Spider-Man No Way Home. And I laughed. I thought, I wonder if more people are doing that. But I'm, I'm looking here at Wikipedia, and they've written the whole movie. The whole plot out. out. Who did that? I'm so mad. Who did that? 
Don't go it look should it. Say, it should say. Anyway. Well, I- and like we're here, like we purposely avoid each other between seeing the screening and recording these deep dives so that we don't like affect each other. And I've been chomping at the bit to talk to you about it. I immediately went on Twitter afterwards just to see like the, the, social, the social reviews, the quick ones, which are supposed to be spoiler free. All these screenshots of it, all these different things. Like, don't ruin it for people. Don't. But then you got our friend John Smith. He's out there looking at every spoiler. He's probably the one that typed all this up. So I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding, John. Um, So let's talk about it. So now that we're free from the spoiler shackles and see now we're, you know, four minutes into this segment. So it was really their last chance. Really? Um, Mm -hmm. What would you say was the biggest surprise as you watched this? I'm going to let Herb go first. He's more knowledgeable than I. The biggest surprise. Okay, so okay, so we're in spoiler zone, right? Yep. Um, the biggest surprise to me was Aunt May's death. I, I had, I had like read some theories about that, like you know, some like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if they killed her and that would be his like quote unquote Uncle Ben moment. Um, but at the same time, people had always said that Tony Stark dying was like his Uncle Ben moment. Mm-hmm. So when she died, I was really taken back. It was really uh, that really hit me hard emotionally. And it just it shocked me that they would go there and just like, you know, kill her off because she's actually been kind of a staple character in the MCU for a little bit now. And so it was kind of sad to see her to see her die. So that was that was the biggest shock for me. Well, and you thought she was in the clear at this point because we missed the Uncle Ben moment. We thought we were fine. We'd already seen Stark. Like how how much things can Peter Parker go through? And then we have this. Well, actually, it's funny you say that, Kellyanne, because that's literally one of the core tenet, one of the core things of Peter Parker's Spider-Man character, he doesn't get to have nice things. If he Ugh. does, it doesn't last. But that's part of his appeal, too. And yet he's that's still why friendly. people like him, is because he doesn't get... I mean, oh, so much Spider-Man knowledge all jumbled around in my head right now. But um, <laughs> it turned out that Aunt May's death was his Uncle Ben moment. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's never been a mention of Ben. There... She may not have an uncle, uh, an uncle Ben Ooh, to I the never Aunt May. Thought, I just assumed we skipped over she all that. She never once mentioned him uh, when Peter said when when um, both Toby Maguire mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield Spider Man said that they talked about their uncle Ben. No reaction from Tom Holland. He didn't say, "Oh yeah, that happened to mine too." Wow, it never did. In fact, who says great power, great responsibility? It was Aunt May it says it May. to him. He, it was never mentioned in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before that. Tony Stark found him when he was still dressed up in sweats and pajamas and hadn't done much except post some YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So you could argue, and maybe this is what, how they consider it in canon, is that he never had Uncle Ben. So this was he got um, the powers, but he's he a had, generally he good Stark. guy. We've he never Stark. heard anything about his parents. Well, but he was he was already Spider Man before Stark showed up. But like that father figure, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stark didn't die because of something that Peter did, mm-hmm. and Aunt May did, mm-hmm. and that it, it. They tried to kind of point that out. Both by Toby, one of Toby Maguire's uh, monologues, mm-hmm. and, and which Andrew is the Garfield's. other big surprise, right? <laughs> Not really, but I yes. actually cheered in the theater when Toby showed up. I knew, I was pretty sure Andrew Garfield, despite all his denials, was going to show Me up. Me too, just because look, he's younger and everything. Well, yeah. that and he kind of got unfairly maligned, I think, because I didn't think the Amazing Spider-Man movies were that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked them, but I just didn't like them as much as I wanted to like them. Yeah, yeah, and so. I think he's kind of suffered, and so to have him have all these redemption moments in this movie, that was some of the most emotional stuff for me. Herb, you talked about Aunt May dying. I guess that one didn't get me as much, although, you know, Tom Holland's acting helped 
sell the emotion of the yeah, scene for sure. Definitely. But yeah. for me, it was when Andrew Garfield saves MJ and starts crying. Like <gasps> I was like wiping my eyes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That to me was the most emotional moment. But it was moments like that. Moments where it, it, they it, it, they cared about the mythos of Spider-Man. They cared about what they've done in the past since they have the opportunity to use these actors. Um, I guessed it was going to be Andrew Garfield first when they when you saw him in the alley. And I was like, the silhouette. I bet that's Andrew Garfield because I had heard he was going to show up. I, I, I hadn't heard for sure Tobey Maguire would, but... Then when Willem Dafoe ended up playing such a key role, I thought, there's no way mm-hmm. they can't have Tobey Maguire in this. And so then when he comes in, um, that was it, it, it was so cool. A live action into the Spider-Verse, essentially. It was so great. Well, and when Tobey Maguire came in as as well, like he didn't have his outfit on or anything. And he's right. a little bit more grown up, he's more cool mature. The cool youth pastor. What a great line. And how they interacted yeah. with each other. It like It was... It was magic. All these like Tumblr and like Pinterest memes and stuff of the spider people came together, all these little fan fiction comics and stuff. I just saw it on the big screen and it was wonderful. I now, loved it. Now, in my opinion, and I'm curious what you think about this, Herb, are you a bigger DC or Marvel guy, Herb, just like in your core? Uh, Marvel. At this stage, Marvel. I used to be a big, I used to be a big uh, DC guy, but um, no, I've, I've become a Marvel guy. Okay. No, and that's fine. That's fine. Because... I was as I watched this I thought this is the new gold standard of how to do legacy characters. I mean, it accomplished by bringing in Green Goblin, Electro, even Sandman. Sandman from the wasted um Spider-Man 3, which I never saw. You know, they they get a comic accurate Green Goblin costume for the most part when he had that purple hoodie on underneath his jacket when he goes to the homeless shelter. I was just like, they they get it, they get it, because Green Goblin's comic costume doesn't work on the screen. It just doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's kind of like a Halloween costume, but his Spider Man two thousand two costume didn't work a whole lot either, just because the mask was so weird and the armor was so weird. It was like, just weird. So having yeah. him wear stuff over the armor worked better. Mm-hmm. Having it be that purple yeah. hoodie. Gives it the comic accuracy. When destroying the mask and things like and that. And then as smashing well. the mm-hmm. mask so he was just kind of doing it himself. That that to me was it shows that they cared about the little things and that matters to me. And so bringing in the legacy characters and then not just bringing them in so that you can be like, oh my gosh, look, it's Tobey Maguire. Oh my gosh, look, mm-hmm. it's Andrew Garfield. Oh my gosh, it's Willem Dafoe and Jamie Foxx and, and Thomas Hayden Church. It was they serviced. They had a point. Mm-hmm. They did something. They didn't overshadow the title character of this movie, but they didn't just stand in the background so that the title character could do all of the things. Like each one of them played a key role. Mm-hmm. When Toby Maguire catches the goblin's glider to stop Peter from killing him, believe Loved me, it. Peter, that Toby Maguire, Peter. Knew exactly what. Peter one, Peter two, Peter three. Right, I know, right? I'm just going to call them by their <laughs> actor names. It's way agreed, easier. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> well, and I think that that's what was pleasantly surprising for me, if I had to pick what was surprising for me, is as soon as they brought out um, Oswald Goblin, like, I thought, oh, he's going to be like the big bad guy because they, they made the- Do you mean Osborne? Osborne, sorry. Thank you. See, I'm the DC, so my Oswald. brain pulled Oswald. Oh, okay. said um, Anyway- I was pleasantly surprised when Tom Holland is running in to go help Aunt May because one of the villains showed up, and it was, it was, it was. 
Oh right, he was an old man sitting down. He was, the, it was right out of Cobra down. Kai, and like, and the fact it's that the they John chose instead playbook. of let's just fight these bad guys and throw them in, they're like, no, let's let's take care of them and cure them and show them as like real people. And I like that that was the direction that they ended up going. I was very pleasantly surprised by that, particularly as someone who is an advocate for mental health issues. That that they were able to to say, you know what, let's help these people. <laughs> that's I think a that very was my good point, surprise. though. I think that's a very good point because. I'll admit, I'll admit, as I was like, what's the problem here? They're supposed (laughs) to die. Like, do you not, are you not going to listen to Dr. Strange this time, Peter? Are you going to keep ignoring him and make another mistake? And, you know, Dr. Strange is like, they're they're supposed to die. Mm -hmm. They're they're supposed to be in their universe. But I I thought it was really well done the Mm -hmm. way that they made it so that it was a harder decision. Because at the first I was like... No, dude, send them back. Stop them, stop them, Like, send them back. They're not supposed to be here. So what happens after that's really not your issue. Just because they know, they go back to the spot. I mean, all of them was about to die. Mm-hmm. And so that they got a second chance. I mean, maybe um, Max Dillon, the the Electro, Jamie Foxx's character, mm-hmm. maybe he deserved a better chance because he was really a nice guy till the power, like, messed with messed him. Messed with his brain. But I-, I liked how they used the schizophrenic part of... Uh, of uh, Norman Osborn to where he legitimately was nice mm-hmm. when he was Norman, but the Green Goblin was always there to take control. So that fit the character from the comics, that fit the character they established in the movie, mm-hmm. and it carried over really well into this. I just, this is part of the reason it's one of my favorite superhero movies is because it did so many things well. And Herb, you saw the original Spider-Man in theaters, right? Uh, Back yeah, in actually, yeah. I did too. And Kellyanne <laughs> did too. Oh, right, right. But... I was telling my kids this who are excited to see it, even my eight-year-old who really likes Spider-Man in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I was telling my daughter who's 17, who's liked Tom Holland for a while, I said, look, I believe you can love this movie and enjoy it, but I promise you there is no way that it can resonate with you like it does with those of us who've watched all the movies for the last 20 years. Not at all. There's not, it's just not possible. And that's, and that's yeah. not selling it short. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy it. I'm just saying it's not going to have the same emotional resonance for you having just watched them on video or just watched them this week for the first time because my kids haven't seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies yet. <laughs> Ooh, it adds layers to it, layers of emotion because you have that history, the background. You know, we're, we're so much a nostalgia culture at the moment and and this is very much what it does but in a very fun and humorous way. I mean, even just the talking about how the spider web comes out of their wrist. Oh, yes. That was so a good. great moment. It's so funny. The way they interacted with each other. Oh, I've been stabbed before. It was every single fan argument. Right. Or fan debate <laughs> that that people have ever had. They, they played it out on screen. Mm-hmm. What part made you laugh the hardest, Kellyanne and Herb? Was it the for me? It probably was the web discussion. That was really funny, but I also, as as a massage therapist myself, them cracking each other's backs and like the the them talking about the pain there. I'm like, yes, yes. That's <laughs> I funny. Loved I that. Yeah, that was or the Filipino grandma. The back, <laughs> the back part was definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. I thought that was especially like for it was kind of cool to hear with, with like Toby's Spider Man because he's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, I will say too, one thing I liked, kind of going back to what you guys were saying about like the, the design and mm-hmm. the way like each character looked, I thought it was actually pretty important that they do that um, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very different than all, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man universe and the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man universe. So it's kind of, they had to kind of like, you know, like Jamie Foxx when he's like blue in Amazing Spider-Man, 
I don't know if that necessarily fits with like how like the MCU has done things. And so, yeah, I think they had to kind of like make it all work. And that's why going with like the, the mental health thing was kind of cool. And yeah, I think, I think it had to fit this universe as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you guys that if, you know, I, I had seen the amazing Spider-Man movies like years ago, I didn't love them. And so, you know, now like I was, I wish I had rewatched them uh, before this because it would have helped me understand a little bit more uh, some of the references and stuff. Uh, so you do kind of need to see the other ones to fully grasp the weight of this movie. Like Agreed. you said. So and that's the only reason I couldn't give it like a 10 out of 10 or a 4 out of 4 was just the simple fact that you can't just turn on this movie and be mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so good. You can turn on this movie and enjoy it, but it does require some um, some back study for yeah. it to give, for it to achieve its full impact. But if you have that back study, then it is it's ten out of ten. It's eleven out of ten, as far as I'm concerned, at how it emotionally drew me in. Well, talk about that emotion stuff. That kind of turned me off to a certain amount because it was kind of whiny at points, particularly Andrew Garfield talking about his his. Dealing with uh, Gwen's death or, or what? Did you watch the movie? That was about the only really solid part of Amazing Spider-Man 2 was I, how they handled Gwen Stacy's death. But like, I don't know. He just seemed so still angry and upset and everything about that. And he was. He talked about it. I know. It was just a little whiny that's what to makes me. His, that's what makes his redemptive moment and so emotional. And that's where it got really slow for me. You know? And I think maybe that's why. Or maybe it's just my uncomfortable black heart. Just being like, come on, come on, Spider-Man, get over it. Yeah, no, he never got over it, even in the comics, Gwen's death. Yeah. Well, see, I grew up with MJ. I remember what I was going to say. I grew up with MJ being like the above But MJ got dropped off the bridge. That was one of the things that made me angry in the first Spider-Man movie in 2002 was Mm -hmm. he dropped MJ off the bridge. That's what happened to Gwen. And I thought, you're taking Spider-Man's most, to me anyway. See, because that's what you grew up with. His most key moment you're changing it, and he's saving her. Like, I don't know. That was one issue I had with, with 2002 Spider-Man back when it first came out. Yeah. Like, you know, I've gotten over it. But it was taking – I didn't like how they took key moments and, and switched it to something else yeah. because they were so definitive. You know, switching it so that, uh, you know, somebody else gets captured by this villain and does something, fine. Who cares? But you take that key, key moment, like – Ah, you, you can't. That'd be like making that'd be like making Aunt May die instead of Uncle Ben. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh wait a minute! I said that. Go back to your emotional Funny how that thing. Works. But um, it was. Uh, see, now I lost it again. They were. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I tried giving you they space addressed, to find it. They addressed something that had always that had always kind of bugged me in the brain. And You'll remember it. And you're I will. I've remembered as soon it twice. It okay. Anyway. <laughs> Could we all say I love the grandma, the um, Ned's, grandma Ned's grandma in it? That was fantastic. I love Ned's getting a little bit of magic usability in there. <laughs> What's the rules oh, with that? Yeah. Can anybody use it, or does Ned really have a little bit of magic in him? That's uh, a good question. Oh, I'll have to wait. Well, no, because Peter used it to get out of the. Um, oh, that's true. To get out of the mirror dimension. No, wasn't it already open when he did that? Uh, was it? I don't know. Well, oh, to maybe, wait. maybe Doctor Strange had opened it and then Peter trapped him and geometry. then took it and did it himself. We'll have to wait until the multiverse. But how did the portal close? Didn't Peter close it? Did it close on its own? I think it 
Yeah, I think it just closed on its own. Well, I, but, I like but then how come it wouldn't Ned, close when Ned and MJ ran through the one he opened? Oh, I mean, besides plot, besides plot reasons, <laughs> where they needed it to so that they're in the scene at the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> but magic. Blocked. That is a great point. Yeah. No, yeah. I like I like to think Ned had a little bit of magic just based on uh, what his character becomes in the comics. Uh, That's thought, why his I think, line. I don't know this. His line about "I'll never betray you" or "I'll never try to I'm kill so you." Sorry. Although, didn't it turn out? Now, Craig, me if I'm wrong. Here, you read the comics, right? Teach me for who yeah, hasn't. I know enough about I know enough about uh, his story, yeah, to 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 know what happens to him, yeah. There was a time where um, they thought he was the hobgoblin, but it, I, if I feel like it turned out he wasn't actually, or for a while he was, and then they retconned it later and made it so. No, he really wasn't. It was this other person. But does he gain magic? Yeah, it was like one of those like identity weird things. Yeah, but he marries um, Betty in the comics. Betty, the girl who's the news reporter with the school. The blonde girl who oh, he has right, a relationship right. with in, in Far From Home. And then she does she gets a couple of lines and then they – how about this? They did a great job. I thought they wisely kept the cast really tight. If you mm-hmm. notice that the final credits, it was like only one real scroll through and then that was it. Mm-hmm. And then when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That's true. Who had lines? The main char- – all the main characters that we expected. Mm-hmm. And then like Betty had a couple of lines and Flash. a random dude had a line. Flash had a few lines. But really – the whole story, they kind of focused it all in on, you know, the 10, 15 people that played key roles throughout the movie. Which was great, too, because it just adds to the he wanting to protect that core group of people that he has and the invasion of privacy and the whole reason for him to, to go to Doctor Strange and ask for the spell to be cast. That's true. Emotional weight. And, you know, the trailers made it look like... Um, Doctor Strange was going to be like this key player in the entire movie. And some people, what's funny, and Herb, you've been tracking people's reactions for a while now because I've seen you publish different articles where, oh, this trailer came out. Here's what people were saying. Do you read like articles that are on like national sort of entertainment type websites, stuff like Collider and stuff like, and you know, stuff like that where a screen rant where they have some, you know, editorial type comments. Do you ever read any of those? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'll, I'll keep up on those. Yeah. Um, it seemed like every complaint people had after watching the trailers, it, it was an either intentional mislead on the part of the producers knowing what they were going to do. And so they didn't care what anybody said, but it was, oh, look, another movie where Spider-Man's not the main character in his own movie and he's got to have Big Brother to help. And it was Iron Man for two movies. And now we've got, um, or no, it was Iron Man for one movie. Then it was the shadow of Iron Man for another movie. And now it's Dr. Strange and Peter can't ever do anything on his own. And I, I mean, there's like, acerbic articles people that were like this is stupid that was one of the things the other one was um maybe he was a villain was one of the ones that we're looking at like for some some uh, reason speaking of villains and we talk about the post-credit scenes we'll get back to that oh yeah i was actually thinking that i'm like something's wrong with dr strange that's why it's gonna go crazy so i was watching for hints all the way through it like when they found the 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 beard dye in the basement there's one point when he like you know what they did with that right i thought "Hmm, what did i miss something yeah (sighs) That's how they turned Spider-Man's costume black was with the beard dye. They turned it black. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I must have been it, so when wrapped he's, up. When he's trying to go first find Electro and he's got the phone strapped to his chest, oh, okay. his costume's black. And they <gasps> used Doctor Strange's beard dye to I turn love, his suit black. Oh, I love the detail Marvel <laughs> does. 
I thought that, that was funny. hilarious. I wrote that note down. Oh my gosh, they used the beard dye to turn his costume black because they needed some stealth. I just assume there's he has so many costumes. No, because oh, the, he couldn't so do the costume change thing ever mm-hmm. since the uh, nanobots went on to Doctor Octopus's claws. Cool. <laughs> that was hilarious. Like th- they did such a great job of putting the teasers in. And making you think it was going one way. So good. And then going a different way. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I, I just want to say that, yeah, I think that was my worry with this movie. It was going to be like Spider-Man 3 where it had like all these villains, all these characters, and then it kind of becomes a mess. Uh, I think they did a great job, actually, of just managing the cast they had, the amount of characters. Um, and yeah, I, one thing I like to do with a lot of Marvel movies is I like to rewatch the trailer after I've seen the movie because I think... Ooh you realize how little or like how they totally mess you up. And this movie did really mess you up with like what you see in the trailer versus what happens. Um, yeah. I do think some daredevil fans are going to be disappointed that all he did was catch a brick. Right. But he was there. But he was there. He's officially now in the cinematic portion of the universe. So da, da, da. That, that's a good thing. J. Jonah Jameson, what do you think of uh, how <laughs> J.K. Simmons did as a return to that role? Did great. Did great. I, I liked him. I like he's he's the perfect fit for that role. I kind of wanted another J. Jonah Jameson to, to show up as well at some point. But he's played him in all of the iterations. But I think that's what would be so funny is all of a sudden there's a second one. <laughs> there, there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity. He, he goes there. on screen against himself, a la the Vision in WandaVision. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. I, I liked. I I just can't say enough about uh, Chris McKenna and. Um, Oh, Eric Summer, I believe, is the other writer. The way that they... Yeah, Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, they hit all the right notes. They they understood the character. Herb, I've talked with you. The reason I hated Venom was I didn't feel like the people who were doing the movie understood what made Venom cool besides how he looked. Like They knew he looked cool, but after that, they didn't seem to get... What made Venom cool in the first place? And I was mad that they even rebooted Venom. I'll offer a rant forever about this till they fix it, maybe in the next movie. I don't know. <laughs> but they they dared introduce Spider-Man's uh, doppelganger or mirror image without Spider-Man existing in the universe. Did you feel like the having Tom Hardy... It, it looked like for sure he was going to show up as one of the fighting villains in this movie, and then... <laughs> He just shows up long enough to drop a seat on the counter and zap right back to his universe after he stays at a bar and there complains about everything. That was a pretty funny post credit scene, but that was a good one. I kind of wished he could have stuck around and fought him in a different movie or something like that. But well, you never know. They did leave a little bit of venom behind, right? But it won't be Tom Hardy's mm. dude. Well, maybe it would. Who knows? Come back and get it. I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. Good- that's that's one of the things. Venom is such a strong villain. In contrast to Spider-Man, and that's why, uh, funny enough, I was just about to say, you know, like the Spider-Man 3, as we know, has uh, Venom in it, Eddie Brock, played by Topher Grace. Uh, you know, I think that's why I loved Spider-Man 3. I, I mean, on rewatching that movie, I realized it's it's really trash in a lot of ways. But, you know, when I was younger, I was really hyped about it because I'm like, I love Venom. I love the, the Spider-Man counterpart. And that is one thing about the Venom movies that always feels a little weird is that, like, that's not a thing. Um, so I liked, I wish Tom Hardy had had a bigger role in this, but, you know, it would I, get have been what, tough. I get it. It would have been tough to have. And, and really, honestly, 
they made the right decision, I think, as we talk about this and as I really think about it. If they'd had to try to introduce him, it really would have upset the dynamic of everything that they'd created. Because, A, he's not really there to be cured. B, I don't know. Honestly, if anything, it's why is he there in the first place? He doesn't know who Spider-Man is. Oh, that's a good point. So, I, I don't well, know. You can be like me where I actually haven't seen any of the Venom films. Like, it just didn't seem appealing to me. It just, uh, it, it didn't. So maybe there's also audience You're also not like a teenage me. boy, which is, I think, or right. early 20s boy, which is, I think, who drove the box <laughs> office at that. Well, and like uh, like I said before, I had the Tobey Maguire picture in my locker, not the other. So <laughs> well, I was definitely more into to Spider-Man than, than he did the look a li- He did look a little bit old, a little bit old. He did. He but he, it is. He was, he was Spider-Man 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm actually impressed he looked as good as he did. I was too. I'm like, I, he probably got a bit into shape. I would have loved if they would have pulled Kristen Dunst in it a little bit, though. Like I wondered. When they asked her about it, she's like, I'm too old for them to put me in there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wish they would But she said she'd do it again. She said she would. And, and you know, that Peter Toby McGuire's Peter said that they figured, MJ and him figured out a way to make it work. So she was there, which made it even more heartbreaking when he got stabbed. Although I'm surprised that Toby didn't say anything when um, when Andrew Garfield was talking about Gwen, that he didn't make, and maybe they didn't want it to to destroy the emotional impact of the of the dialogue. But he's like, "Oh, that was the girl I kissed that made my girlfriend mad." <laughs> caused us to oh, break yeah. up. To watch but it again, I, I think see. that would have I think that would have upset the the emotion that they were going for in the scene. But uh, I can imagine that he said that. <laughs> oh, there we go. I just imagined it. <laughs> All right. Let's take another quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk just about each character a little bit, what you thought about how they used each character specifically uh, as we went through and watched Spider-Man no, uh, Far From No Way Home. I don't know. All the homes that are getting mixed up Too in my brain. Homes. No, no way, home. way Home. All right, final segment, Fan Effect, talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Herb Scribner from Deseret News and Kellyanne Halverson, my co-host today, as we now talk about the characters, okay? So, uh, and then we'll give just final, final uh, wrap-ups, but let's start with Tom Holland. Do you feel like Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Peter Parker had a character arc, and did you like it? Yes. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Next (laughs) question. It was it was very much a coming to age moment, and from being so desperate that he totally messes up the universe, multiple universes, to to keep Mary, uh, to keep MJ there, uh, to the very end where he's willing to to let it let it go in order for everyone to be happy, for things to get better. He's, he learns from from the death of Aunt May. I really think there was a, a wonderful growing up there. Um, with that story arc, even the fact that, you know, when he comes back, no one remembers him. He has to get his GED instead of going to school. Like, it, I think he had a very poignant growing up like he's never had before. That actually, we're going to have to revisit that because that was the one plot hole that the more I thought about it after the movie, I was like, uh, it's one they're going to have to do some serious writing to help me uh, figure out how that works. The whole thing of. <laughs> Now even Happy doesn't remember him and, and, and stuff like that. And like, does, yeah. do people even know Spider-Man exists? But apparently they do because... How did that impact rate. how he saved the day so many times? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just uh, have to kind of accept it. <laughs> that that may yeah. bear further discussion. What were but you going to say, Herb? So much. I, yeah, I was thinking about that because I'm like, 
Okay, yeah, Happy Hogan doesn't know Peter, but does he know Spider-Man? Um, and then, yeah, the other thing with that is the I, – I thought – and one thing I did I did notice, I don't know, of course, if maybe I misread it, um, but if you notice at the end – and correct me if I'm wrong here and whatever, but there's a – it looks like he's got like a GED test uh, on his like counter – like when he moves into his apartment, he's got something that says like GED, and I'm like, does that mean his high school forgot who he was, and he got like booted out of high school too? Like, mm-hmm. there's Apparently. a lot of weird, yeah, there's a lot of weird kind of things they're gonna have to like in future movies kind of explain because that's I don't know, it's getting kind of weird. Now I, I will how can say he pay this. for the coffee if he if he didn't have any money, any money or anything. Yeah. Well, maybe he had money in his pocket. I don't know. Maybe he robbed somebody as Spider Man. <laughs> we don't know what happened between. <laughs> I, I'm sure some of it is just you just have to take it as part of the story. I will say this: uh, the idea that something a, a spell could be cast that everybody forgets that Peter is Spider-Man is actually something that was used in the comics in Civil War in the mid 2000s. Peter willingly reveals his identity as part of the uh, you know he, he's kind of been Tony Stark's junior buddy, and Tony explains to him like why we have to have the what were the Sokovia Accords in the movie, but mm-hmm. which was the superhero regulation act or whatever it was in the comics. So he's like, one of the things is, is we got to, the public has to know who we are so we can have accountability. And so for Peter revealing his identity, it created an awesome year's worth of stories, but then it kind of became untenable. And, and so uh, what ended up happening is as a story arc called um, uh, one more day in which, Mephisto, the devil in the Marvel comic universe, comes to Peter and Is says... Is he actually the devil? Yeah. Cool. He comes and says... And people... Uh, if you if you read any message comments about the Marvel Cinematic Universe... Everybody's always wondering when is Mephisto going to show up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? He's that much of a big bad? He, yeah. Cool. He, he plays a pretty key role. So... And Herb, have you read this story, the One More Day story? Is that the one with... Uh... Is that the one? Maybe I'm thinking something differently. Is that the one with MJ dying? Yes. Or no. Is that like, I, okay. Well, she doesn't die. So what happens is, as a result of people knowing Spider-Man's secret identity, the, the Kingpin puts a hit out on him. And and the Kingpin explains, like, you can't sneak up on this guy. Like, you, if, you, if, you set your, if you set an aim, he'll know it. So the, the assassin sits there when, when MJ and Peter and, and Aunt May are hiding out in a motel because they've abandoned Tony Stark's side of, uh, of the Civil War and they want to join the underground with Cap. So Spidey joins Cap's fighting force, but he's got to figure out what to do with Aunt May and MJ, who used to live in Stark's tower, and now they can't be there anymore. And then he also – everybody knows that they're related to Spider-Man. So it becomes this problem that he, he doesn't know how to solve, but uh, the assassin – had set it up so that he's sleeping, and then when the door to the hotel opens, he snaps awake, picks up the rifle, and fires. So it's so fast that Spider-Man has limited time to react because if, if he takes aim, Spider-Man will know and get out of the way. Anyway, he misses Spider-Man, and he hits Aunt May. And so Aunt May, Peter has to check her into the hospital, and what ends up happening is is he says he'll do anything to save Aunt May's life. He can't be the responsible for her death, too. The devil shows up and says, really? So how about this? I can uh, make your aunt, I can make your aunt uh, better. And I can make sure that uh, everybody forgets that you're Spider-Man. It's a little deal with the devil. Here's the deal, though. 
He's like, what do you want in return? He's like, your marriage. Mm. So Peter has to decide if he'll give up being married to MJ in order to save his aunt's life and make sure everybody forgets that he's Spider-Man. So that this idea of there being a spell that people forget, it's not unheard of. They didn't make it up for the movie specifically. And the idea that he has to sacrifice his relationship with MJ is also not unheard of. It was used in the comics. Now, there are many Spider-Man fans who hate Jeff Loeb, the guy who wrote this story. Mm -hmm. He was like the Marvel editor-in-chief, and he decided he liked a Spider-Man that was single better than he liked a Spider-Man that was married. He had to figure figure out a way to make that go away. I do that all the time in TV series. I hate it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what they ended up doing is um, Mephisto doesn't ever really 100% explain it. Now, to be fair, in Jeff Loeb's case, it wasn't like Peter just decides it. Like MJ actually is the one who decides it. Um, Peter decides, nope, it's not worth it. And, and MJ's like, no, your aunt means too much to you. And she said, we'll find each other somehow. Kind of similar to what, uh, MJ says in the movie. So like I said, there, there are some echoes from that one more day storyline. And then after that, this was, I don't know, back in 2008 or nine, then it became one, a brand new day. And then Spider-Man has been single ever since. Uh, and fans have keep rooting for them to get back together. I own, and, and probably the most read issue of comics that I've ever read of Spider-Man was Spidey's Wedding Issue. I bought it when I was like 13, and I read it like a million times. A million times. I had that memorized. In fact... Didn't they do that also I, like live on television at oh, some Oh, it was a whole thing. They, married it, they got married at the Mets game, yeah. and it was in the comic strip. I love comics. It was a big deal. It was like 1987. <laughs> I didn't buy it till 89 or, or 90 <laughs> or something like that. But here's the thing. There was a <laughs> funny, funny inside... There's a funny thing he when he proposes to MJ in the issue um he uh she asked like did you did you uh, bring the champagne and he goes no I've got the ice and he pulls out the wedding ring so that was cool ah, but when I proposed nice. to my wife oh no I had him put my it was a whole thing it was a surprise my brother-in-law brought down the ice and the ring was in the ice literally because Spider-Man. Oh, did it? I never oh my told my goodness. wife that. I never told anybody that. Now she knows. But that's why was because <laughs> Spider-Man called his wedding ring the ice. And so when I was going to propose, I had my brother-in-law bring it down in the actual ice. Oh my goodness. Uh, now that's how nerdy I am. If you if you had any doubts, let me put them to rest. Speaking about your nerdy and fandoms, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the Lego Palpatine yet. Well, I mean, that was his and Ned's thing. Mm-hmm. Um I'm glad that Disney owns Star Wars and Marvel <laughs> so we can have something like that in there. Anyway, Herb, does that does that nerddom that's gone too far when I, I put a wedding ring in ice because that's what Spider Man said? No, it's something we're it's something we're all thinking about. You know, we all we all consider different ways to, uh, you know, as a recently engaged man. You know, there were some, you know, we were talking about wedding rings, and I'm like, is it crazy for me to have an infinity gauntlet for my for my engagement? You know, for like a for like a ring. Um, <laughs> Because it'd be very, crazy not to. You should. And then I'm the, like the nerd girl yeah. that just scares them all away, so it doesn't matter. Oh my goodness! It's very interesting when you look up male wedding rings and how many how many new things they have out there. Uh, there's like Star Wars themed, Marvel themed. It's pretty pretty intense. So uh, yeah, I don't think that's nerddom gone, gone too far at all. 
Well, good. We that that makes me character. feel a little bit better. But yeah. So at any rate, that everything that they did when you talk about Peter and MJ and, and making those decisions, there, there is some actual comic DNA mixed in with that. And I thought they did that well. So let's talk about MJ. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle. She's, you know, they've, they've, they've gone to great lengths to make sure that she's not just the side flower to Peter's hero. She plays a key role. She says things like, no, we'll do this together. You know, all of the, she, she takes charge, but also doesn't like steamroll either. Right. Uh, she's just as smart as Peter. It's a uh, balance there. All those mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, Ned's just as smart as both of them. Mm-hmm. At some point, it gets a, at some point, it gets a little bit like it feels a little forced sometimes. Like, oh, gee, everybody's a genius. Well, because they go to the genius school. Well, they do everything. go to the Midtown Genius. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's not just a regular public high school, I guess. Well, I I like their relationship and how how they are all the trio of friends together, and even Ned's a little bit of a third will and totally oblivious, but they all still love each other. Um, it's very much kind of the teenagers of now with memes and like uh, just the way they they interact and react with each other. Even just the whole when they give Doc Avius gives his full name and they all just kind of look at each other and start laughing. I. Oh, that was the Love other thing it. that people were complaining about. Like, oh, look at this in the in the old movies. They they didn't make fun of it the way they do in this one. But like, that's the whole point of it. It's meta. <laughs> well, right. But if you watch the show too, once you actually see the movie, mm-hmm. you're taking that little snippet of dialogue and extrapolating it into this whole thing where you don't know what happens after. True. You don't know what they said before that. You don't know what they said after it. You just get that one thing, and <laughs> yeah. So that was the other thing. So thank you for reminding me. That was mm-hmm. the other thing was that somebody complained. Somebody complained about um, the fact that they're just – this just shows that they are too flippant and it's too jokey and it's too stupid. And I was like, you haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah, the movie. I even thought that before I saw the movie. Well, I think that's what I mean about the comedy and the peril being really well balanced is you had these very funny moments, but it was still very – like the universe was tearing apart in front of their eyes. Like when Toby Maguire's looking up at the sky, he's like – is that happening or am I just dying as this guy is pulling <laughs> apart and you can see people up there and everything like that? The, like, they had to balance that comedy with that peril. And even just the, the one-off comments of, oh, no, she's my – and this one was my MJ. Or when Electro, uh, when he finally sees Andrew Garfield's face, uh, he's right. like, oh – I thought you were black. There must be a universe yeah, You're from Queens the- <laughs> and you help poor people. I thought for sure you were black. That was a pretty good line. Which, hey, um, which was just all these wonderful kind of inside things and, and perspectives from the different universes there. Of course it's going to be funny to each of them. Here's a question. Do you think that the characters that they brought in from other movies were better in this movie than they were in their own movies? I mean, I, 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 it, it bears saying that... The impact of what they did in this movie only happens because of what they did in their first movie. So, you know, seeing, uh, you know, a a better costume for uh, the Green Goblin, Mm -hmm. it's better because the other one wasn't as good. You know, Jamie Foxx, instead of being blue, like Herb, you said he looked blue. Uh, My understanding, if I remember reading one of the uh, interviews he did, is he he said he didn't want to come back unless he was Unless he didn't have to be blue, essentially. He well, wanted to be the yellow, like Electro in the comic is yellow and green. Uh-huh. His comic costume would look stupid. But the way that when he charged up with energy, those little lightning bolts that would appear around his face, that's in fitting with his comics costume, which is like these three electric bolts. It's a goofy looking mask. If really? you make it in the real world. <laughs> It would look like a kid who has to play a flower in the school play. So this way where it shows up only in electrical arcs is a lot better, I think, use of of how to make that work on the big screen. But 
if they didn't have whatever we consider to be an inferior performance in air quotes, then it would make these performances. That's what makes them better. That's what right. makes them more likable. Well, and the overdramaticness of Doc Ock like made him so awkward in this universe, but so lovable at the same time as he's entering into this universe. Well, uh, let's talk about Doc Ock. Who is your favorite villain, by the way, Herb? I'm curious. Who do you like of all the villains that were brought over? Which one did you like best? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably say, I mean, I would probably say Green Goblin. I, I, I don't know. I would have. I, I kind of wanted a little bit more from uh, him, um, where we saw like bad guy Green Goblin, because it, it seemed like for the most part. And I, I think it was pretty, you know, written on the wall there that like, yeah, he's going to turn at some point. So you would have preferred he stayed bad guy the whole time, or? I think, like, like, let's be honest, like, the lizard character is, gonna, is a very hard one to, like, take seriously. So I thought it was cool they went with, like, kind of a comedic route. Um, I didn't love the Doc Ock scenario. Uh, really? I hated it, I and then like, I loved yeah. it. <laughs> I just thought he was a little too brash, I guess is the word. Like, he was just, he was very angry, and I know he, like, is in the movie, but... And I guess I guess if he's taken away at the time of his death, like, he was pretty, like angry when he was about to die in, in well, Spider-Man Now, two, remember, so. they pulled him out because he, he reconsidered. Like, there's that moment in Spider-Man 2 where he realized what he was doing, and then he's the one who took his creation down into the river. Like, mm-hmm. that was his choice to not kill Peter and then drag him down to the river. So they pulled him out the moment before he had that realization. Oh, wow. So that, that's a, I think that's worth pointing out, is they did pull him out. He said, I had Spider-Man in my hand, and I was about to choke the life out of him, and then I was here. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. It took him the moment before he had his moment of redemption and then took his own life to save the, you know, to, to, to quell the reactor. Um, I actually, I, I like the Otto Octavius best, you know, restoring him to the good guy that he was, mm-hmm. uh, them figuring it out and, and fixing him first. And then I was kind of worried when he sort of disappeared that, or I was worried that Electro was going to short out the chip again and he'd just oh. go right back to what he was before. Uh, but you know, he came in and kind of saved, saved the day a little day. bit. I, I like that. I loved that. And even like when he saw uh, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker's like, you've grown up. Like, it was really cool. I, I uh, think, that's true. Yeah. I, I think my favorite villain in it is, you know, it goes back to Osborne again, just being able to see him more as a human being than we have in the past. And yeah, he's also the villain there, but he's also not the villain there. It's 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 the other um, at the same time. And so I really, really enjoyed that. And the, the interaction between Osborne and Doc Ock in particular when when they were both good, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. You're dead. <laughs> I am? Well, he's obviously not. He's standing right here. You died and you died and, oh. Yeah. Wow. You know, here's a funny little aside. This is a little bit of trivia if maybe you didn't know. It would have been cool as if uh, Joe Manganiello, who played Flash Thompson in the original Spider-Man, okay, and he's now married to uh, to uh, what's her name from uh, uh, from Modern Family, very important, Sofia Vergara. There you go. Okay, well, it does matter, but he was also Deathstroke in uh, the Justice League. Oh, that's right. Okay, and but he was Flash Thompson, the bully that you know Peter mm-hmm. messes around with. That would have been just a funny little thing if Flash Thompson showed up and then Joe Manganiello meets nerd Flash Thompson mm-hmm. and he's like, wait, you're Flash? <laughs> that would have been hilarious. At least I think so anyway. There's so many little opportunities they could have done. So I liked, you know, the lizard, 
the less they did, the better. It was yeah. cool. You know, it, it gave us the good line of, hey, I fixed him once. We essentially got a Sinister Six movie that people had been looking forward to. or, or That was the rumor for the, the third Amazing Spider-Man was going to be the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. That's what they were kind of setting up. Um, instead, we got, let's see, wait, let me count them up real quick. So we had Octavius. That was one of Spider-Man's villains. Six of his foes team up to try so to take like him down doomed. together. Okay, okay. okay. Um, so doomed. Octavius, Green Goblin, the Lizard, Elect. It's like the Legion of Doom Legion of is doom. probably okay, what you're there thinking. There you go. Not doom. Um, doom Patrol. So no, that's not right. Legion of Doom. Yeah, so there's five, and then I thought maybe Venom would show up or something like that, but they essentially had five, or you could count J. Jonah Jameson, I guess, as the sixth, if you (laughs) really wanted to stretch it, but they used him well, too, because he's the one creating the relentless media pressure that really kind of forces Spider-Man into some of the different things. Mm -hmm. He's the one that takes all the videos, puts them out of context, and makes Spider-Man look worse. Um, that's the one who Spider-Man needs to forget who he is more than any of the others. Just make him. There you go. Can we just make him forget? But I liked how they got Peter out of the I, I don't think you could make the argument that Peter was in anybody's shadow specifically. No. If you want, you could say, oh, he didn't do it and he needed the helps of the others. But I, and I'm curious to what you guys think. I thought they let Tom Holland Parker do everything that needed to be done to run his movie and that uh, Garfield Parker and McGuire Parker got to do stuff mm-hmm. but didn't overshadow the the title character of the movie. That's what I that's one of the things I liked best about it was that they really juggled them all well mm-hmm. without underusing them or overusing them. I didn't like one of the things I didn't like about Ghostbusters Afterlife, I would have loved some more original Ghostbusters in it. Even if they didn't, you know, <laughs> It's, I just rolled my eyes. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But I would have, I would have liked more of that. I would have liked that there's some be some way to enjoy. I mean, that's why we came back is to see some of these classic people. Well, and and they didn't use them right. They they were they were so afraid they would overshadow the new characters they're introducing. I think I know that J.J. Uh, Abrams specifically said that mm-hmm. when he did Force Awakens. But I I felt like they weren't afraid to use the people, but they also weren't afraid to. Have the main person still be the main person. And it worked. Well, and they, it could have worked. And they made the, the point in, in this script and in, in this one and everything when um, when Tom Holland's like, well, yeah, I was with the Avengers. And they're like, is that a band? Oh, yeah, I You're love in a that. Band? I love that. Oh, that's <laughs> and he's another like, thing. He, he had to take a moment for a step back and be like, wow, there's realities without the Avengers. And then he had to really take the lead and be like, OK, this is what we're doing. Uh, he really grew into his leadership position. He wasn't under anyone else at that point he was in fact in charge of these two peter parkers these two spider-man that had been doing it a lot longer than him so he really did come to age in it agreed mm-hmm. i also i'm glad you brought that up because here was the other thing that i always and i have argued this since 2002 <laughs> okay i'm ready so this is a 20-year argument here um it never made sense to me that spider-man exists Without any other superheroes. Huh. And really for a lot of, especially solo superheroes kind of a thing, Blade works. Blade's half vampire. He's a superhero in the fact that he was from a comic book, but he's a half vampire, half human. That could be, it's kind of, that, that's not limited that's to comic books. That's supernatural. Yeah, it, it, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, the X-Men, they work as their own universe because... Mm-hmm. Anybody could theoretically be a mutant, mm-hmm. and if the mutants fight each other or decide how to use the power, I actually, and I've argued on this podcast, 
the X-Men almost make more sense in their own universe than as a part of the superhero universe where people seem to be okay with Captain America, but they don't they don't like Cyclops because Cyclops was born with his and Captain America. That's never made sense to I me. I agree. I agree. So the X-Men work in their and own universe. And it's a universe. little forced when you bring them in together. But then you want to because you want to see well, the of course. Of course. You want Wolverine and the Avengers. But it that's never made sense to me. Spider-Man never made sense... Because what? In the history of the world, there's been no superhero until 2002 when a spider bites a teenager in New York and suddenly there's a superhero. But then also suddenly, shortly after that, a Green Goblin shows up because he t- drinks his serum and he's super powerful. And then people are falling into vats of eels. Right. And, <laughs> and one of the things the Marvel Cin- – and maybe they learned from this. But the things uh-huh. the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done is starting throwing – sowing seeds of these people have always been here. The Eternals have been there for 5,000 years. Mm-hmm. But they've just stayed in the background. Whether you like that. Accept that or not, that's up to you. But they're saying they've been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Hank Pym was fighting crime as an Avenger with his shrinking serum. Captain America fought in World War II. We're going to find out when they finally introduce Namor the Submariner that he was probably there all along too, and who knows where. I don't know he's the king of the Atlantis. Sunders. He's the uh, Aquaman. No, he's of not. The... Arthur Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you out. He's the Aquaman of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Oh, but I think that's why I love Batman so much. It makes sense that a rich guy with a ton of money could go out there and, and kick butt. Like, <laughs> but I loved that they acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. By it was it was just like a subtle reminder of him saying like yeah, I was part of the Avengers, and the other guys were like, "Huh? What's that? Avengers? What are that? Oh, you don't have the Avengers on your world?" Because so for bored. me, that's such a meta thing. Like, yes. It doesn't make sense. If you really think about it, it doesn't make sense. The whole history of the entire Earth begins a superhero in 2002 with a kid in New York getting bit by a spider. Mm-hmm. It makes much more sense if a kid gets bit by a spider while a dude in World War II had a, uh, you know, drank a super serum and mm-hmm. you know, there's mystical Thor gods. That throughout who, this, this yes. yes, yeah, it does. It makes more sense as a one, universe as a single. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the thing mm-hmm. with Venom, too. Mm-hmm. It, as I was like, it's the same problem that Spider-Man that. had, but also now you're creating a, a spider, an anti-Spider-Man without even a Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. it was like a double one-off. <laughs> I don't this know. This rant brought to you by Andy's. It's superhero <laughs> rants. I love superhero rants. I, I'm holding my tongue to to like not dive into DC right now because that's that's my jam. <laughs> I want to oh. talk about meta genes and all sorts of different things, but I'm not going to. Midi chlorians? No, I'm just I'm gonna, kidding. That's a whole nother one. <laughs> wow. Herb, what do you think of that? What do you think of my rant? How do you react to that about uh, Spider-Man being the only superhero in his universe? Maybe. No, I loved your rant. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think I think the Spider-Man, like Spider-Man existing in the MCU universe, makes so much more sense. Uh, it's kind of weird when like they are in the other the other ones where it's like, oh yeah, it's just Spider-Man, and then like Spider-Man's villains, and it's kind of it's kind of boring that way. I know, like, I'm sure they were. That's what, and that's part of like if you take it outside like the the fictional worlds they create. That's one of the reasons why the MCU has been so successful is because they actually decided, hey, let's actually connect all these together and really build out this universe where like everyone's around. And yeah, I just I, I kind of a, I kind of see it as like it makes no sense when like one person is just like, oh, it's Spider-Man. He exists in this world. He's the only hero. There's no other superhero. There hasn't been a superhero. Makes no sense. And that's that's why the MCU is really smart, because they even they even say like, oh, yeah, back in World War Two there was a serum created to create superheroes essentially. So they've really done it in a smart way that the other ones, I think that's why I think, you know, the older superhero movies are kind of like, Oh yeah, we're going to have a one-off where it's going to be about this hero, 
their villain, and then maybe we'll have a sequel where it's that hero, this villain. And that's why MCU has been so successful because they've actually built out an entire uh, world and done really great world building of like, oh yeah, this is a world where superheroes exist, and here's how they do it in a semi semi realistic way. Um, well, I so mean, yeah, I assuming kind of agree with the realistic part, throwing out the window that there exist superheroes, but everything else under the framework that they've built, it's a believable way that all these things happen. Mm-hmm. And they've never really said how Peter got his powers other than he got bit by a spider. He they haven't gone that into right, but they mm-hmm. didn't say where the spider came from, where he was when it happened. I think probably wisely spider. just leaving it to we kind of already know that. We don't need to to spend well, even time like with we it. Just said, we don't even know but about we Uncle Ben. We assumed Uncle Ben, like, yeah. but I don't think that's what he had. So mm. that kind of makes it fun to me. Are they going to go back and give us a, a little bit more of how he he came out? Well, I think that's a good segue into the next segment and maybe our final segment before we kind of give our final thoughts. And that is where does Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe go from here? And what? How do they re? How do they fix that past? How? Hmm. What do you think? My thoughts are. My, I, I like that they kind of like left it in a place where like if they didn't have another movie, you could kind of get on board with it. Uh, but obviously we know they're going to come back with more movies because uh, they announced that there's a new trilogy in the works uh, with Spider-Man. Well, did they officially uh, announce that or did they sort of say it and then they walked it back? Is that a new Marvel trilogy or Spider-Man trilogy? So I believe was... the producer of, of No Way Home confirmed it uh, in an interview with Fandango. She said that there's a new Marvel Spider-Man trilogy Mm. with Tom Holland and it would be MCU based and kind of the same, basically extending what they're doing now. Okay. Do you have an issue with Spider-Man not really having been a neighborhood Spider-Man? I know that's been a complaint by some. What do you guys think? I think this neighborhood component is more of a, a, how he interacts with people and he's friendly and he takes care of where he's at and everything. Like, I, I don't think that takes away at all. Like, even when he, they're going off to school, he's like, Chicago has crime. I can be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in Chicago. Like, it's more of the demeanor. It's like Mr. Rogers. He's everyone's neighbor. Okay. Spider-Man's everyone's neighbor. What about you, Herb? Do you think he should fight more street level? He's kind of a street level hero. I mean, his whole thing is, you know, he fights his villains, but it's always in New York City. It's it's rarely to save the world. It's usually to save, you know, a person or, you know, somebody's trying to kill Spider-Man. And he just has to not get killed. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think like um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that in the, the animated freshman year uh, series that they're having for Disney Plus, which I believe is going to tell his origin story. Cool. Uh, so I think. I think that we'll see more of that there. I kind of agree with you, though. Like, I just, you know, after watching, um, and there's there's obviously obvious reasons why uh, this brings up thoughts of Spider-Man, but after watching Hawkeye, I think there's a lot you could do with the underground crime world of, of New York that uh, Spider-Man obviously fits right into, and uh, I think that could be a cool direction for them to take Especially because, yeah, it is very, uh, hit. I mean, yeah, like, before we even had a second Spider-Man movie, actually, before we had a first Spider-Man movie, he was dealing with Civil War, and, you know, and then before we had a second one, he was dealing with Thanos, and so, yeah, he hasn't had the, like, the, the you know, the city neighborhood fighting thing, and it would be cool to see him do that a little bit more, because I think that is where, like you said, I mean, that's more that's more classic Spider-Man. It's not getting on spaceships, it's actually going to the New York deli to like help people out, you know? So 
Um, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah, I think they need. I think they need to get back back down to earth with him a little bit, and not so much globally with uh, the Spider Man Spider Man character. Though it did lead to that great line in the movie where the other Spider Men were jealous that he got to go into space. <laughs> <laughs> you went to, I'm still getting over the fact you were fighting in space. All right. So, as far as I'm concerned, um, whether they, I, I think you brought up a good point, Herb, that. If they don't make another Spider-Man movie, they did a great job of saying, if this is the end of the Tom Holland Spider-Man run, mm-hmm. it wraps perfectly. It makes you feel great. It leaves it open-ended so it can be like, hey, Peter, now he has his whole life. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. He's got to obviously prove that he can graduate high school and, and prove that he can get into college, which we all know he can. Mm-hmm. I loved watching the three Peters be sciencey too. Because, <laughs> yeah, cool. you know, you're, you're, in, you're in Tom Holland's universe, so you know he's good at science, but you forget that... The other two are the same Peter. They were also good at saying they were also super smart. Granted, we never did get to see Andrew Garfield do any jumps on skateboards anywhere, unfortunately, or dunk the basketball, which was from the Ultimate Spider-Man or uh, yeah, the Ultimate Spider-Man universe that they did that for Amazing Spider-Man. But I I like that. That they all all the Peters were Peter. Mm -hmm. All three worked together. They're all smart. Yeah, they're all there. There's a core of who Peter is. That's what I loved about this was. It it understood the core of Spider-Man. It understood what made him cool and also made him beloved. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a chance to be all of those things. Yeah. He got to be compassionate. You know, he had to make hard decisions. He didn't win. He wins, but it's always a Pyrrhic victory for yeah. Spider-Man. And they kept all of those things. And they made, I mean, they gave me all the feels. I, I don't say that very often because I think it's a dumb saying, but it gave me all the feels. I found myself wiping tears from my eyes in different parts of the movie. I loved that there was some musical cues from Danny Elfman's score that they played. Um, I checked to see if they played any from James Horner's score uh, from the first Amazing Spider-Man because I think that has one of the the rooftop kiss audio track is is just a great, it's a beautiful piece of music mm-hmm. regardless. I couldn't tell. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Honestly, I I would put this in my top two or three superhero movies of all time. I said that at the top. I still say it. I can't wait to see it again. I'm a, you know I'm a critic, so I go to movies, but I don't often watch them a second time, just because <laughs> there's always six more that I got to see right? that I got to write about. But this is one that I actually am absolutely going to make the effort to watch again, and. I haven't seen Eternals a second time yet. I haven't seen Shang-Chi a second time yet. I saw Black Widow twice, but that's because I watched it twice in a row when I had the screener so that I could make sure I thought what I thought. But I I have no questions about what I thought of Spider-Man No Way Home. It was, as a Spider-Man fan, it was everything that I could have asked for. And I didn't believe that a movie could live up to the hype that it's got right now. I just, I thought there's no way that this thing can live up to the hype. I Like you said, Herb, Spider-Man 3, are they going to try to do too much? I mean, kind of they did try to do too much if you think about it, but they didn't make it feel like they were trying to do too much. They did a lot, and right. I loved all of it, and it it fixed things that you had issues with in the past. It This movie just made five other movies even better than they were before. <laughs> That's something. I loved how the theme of compassion ran so much through it. And it went from, you know, when Uncle Ben passes, it's sad and it's tragic because that's the person that took care of him. But May was the person that not only took care of Peter, she took care of everyone. 
She was there at the soup kitchen. She completely taught him it's about – it's not just – the responsibility thing, but you got to help others. And even when he, Peter is at the grave and Happy's there, he asks who he knows knows him. Like, well, she, I was one of the people he helped, and and then the she they don't said, forget that she, in 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 far from home, she had started the housing thing for all the people who'd blipped and come back and didn't have right? a place to live. And it made it so much more impactful because not only was it someone taking care of, she took care of everyone. And how he said, you know, even though she's gone, that all the people that she helped are going to keep helping. Um, and just going back to, to this more of a – it's not just a responsibility, but it's a compassionate thing to do. And uh, and the way they brought that in with how the villains were able to be cured, uh, how she took care of the people at the homeless center. The, the, you know, it's – it was about compassion and even that he was able to step back and let go of MJ, let go of the future he was planning for and expecting for. I mean, he's a senior in college. Everyone's asking what are you going to – I mean, in high school – Everyone's asking what you're going to do after high school. He had to let go of all of that for because of his compassion for others. Like, well, and that's I why he wanted it. the spell in the first place. It was he, he kind of even said, I, yep. "I can handle all this myself, but the effect that it's having on the people that I love, mm-hmm. I, I can't. I can't live with that." And so, and his friends showed the shows, same compassion. Like, you don't get to make choices like that. You talk to us so that we can figure this out together. Like, even they I know some have magic words, and they start with please, please and thank you. <laughs> like, it. How great were there? You have this awesome action packed film, which the fight scenes are amazing, particularly between Doctor Strange and and, uh, and Spider Man there. You know, I've decided this like movie should win Best Picture now. <laughs> I don't know, West Side Story. I, but, but yeah, I just, it was, it was so good. It, it went beyond the expectations I had. I'd say go see it, see it again. I'll go see it again. I can't wait to introduce it to my nibblings, my, my niece and nephews. Oh. <laughs> All right, Herb, you get the last word on this. Final thoughts, Spider-Man. No, or far from going, whatever, home. No way home. I'm yeah, going to get I'm, that right I'm, one I'm, of these times. I'm also excited to see it again. I, I think it's going to help. You know, I think the first time I go into a movie, I'm kind of like, okay, here's the hype. Here's the expectations. What's What do we actually get? And And this time I'll get to see a little bit more of the nuances and a little bit of the little things that they do. Uh, I loved that. I loved it from end to end. I, I, I never, it never slowed down for me. I think there were moments where I was kind of like, uh, this is drifting into the clunky kind of weird area, but uh, it never really went too deep into that. I love, I love the cast of characters and how they, how they uh, all showed up. Um, and yeah, it just, it just, it's a really great movie. And like you said, it actually, you know, makes you want to rewatch more, uh, more Spider-Man, the, you know, the, the different series. And it's, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be considered an all timer in, like you said, like in, in superhero movies. Uh, and I'm just excited. I'm excited for where it goes. I'm excited for other people to see it. And a lot of the, you know, those, those post post people seeing it articles that are like, Hey, you missed this cool moment or, you know, I think that's going to be really fun. And um, oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I think everybody should see it. I think they should see it as soon as possible, so you don't get spoiled. And even if you do get spoiled, I don't think. I think the spoilers that like, oh, this person's in it, this character's in it. I think that you know, because I because I went in knowing that, well, not knowing, but pretty much knowing that like these things were going to happen. But I mean, just when they actually happen, you're still caught off guard. And so, like, definitely still see it. Don't let the spoilers break your heart and don't you know don't look for spoilers either um 
And yeah, no, it's a great movie, and I can't wait to see it again. Well, Herb, it's a little late to say that in an hour and ten minute podcast <laughs> where we just spoiled it for eighty minutes. I'm just kidding, but uh, uh, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And and here's something for you, Kellyanne. This is now the gold standard of how to use legacy characters in a movie. Okay. Who's up next? The Flash. Yes. They better use Michael Keaton right. Oh, they better. And it, I would love to see a surprise Christian Bale. Yes. But Spider-Man No Way Home has set the standard for if you're going to pull in somebody from a previous movie slash universe or however, or a legacy character, this is how you use them. Well, but, Villains and heroes. That's true. Well, in Flash, I think people are going to be a little more forgiving because everyone's not as in love with Flash as they are with Spider-Man. No, but they are in love with Michael they, Keaton's Batman. Well, and Batman in general. Like... When I talked to Marvel people, they asked why I wasn't applying there, and I said Batman, and they just nodded their heads because <laughs> they understood. Well, that's it for this episode of Fan Effect. Herb Scribner, DeseretNews.com. Thank you so much for joining us again. we got to do this more regularly. I know we say this every time we have you on, but we're going to be better about it, I promise. No, thanks for having me on. Excited to – yeah, we got to have more of these in Chad Morgan. It's going to be yeah. – Gonna be a little break before we get more Marvel stuff, and we got a big DC year coming up. So let's let's chat more. Yeah. Well, and we've got all those Marvel TV shows that we've never really spent a lot of time Hawkeye talking about. Is so good. Hawkeye's been amazing. Love. We've got Book of Boba Fett coming up. Yes, yes, you yes, know, yes, yes. There's plenty of good things to talk about. So Herb, we will make sure that we find time for you. Congratulations on your engagement. Um, you're a lucky you. man. I, I guess, you know, Katie's pretty lucky too. Um, I, I feel I like, I feel like you did better than she did, but I love you anyway. You're so true. You're so right on that. You're I definitely like right it. on that. She's definitely great. trade it up. <laughs> yeah. No, well, thank you. I'm excited to chat again for sure. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Kellyanne. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Fan Effect and we'll catch you at the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fan Effect, a KSL News Radio podcast. Beyond sci-fi, gaming, fantasy, and tech, we're excited to share with you our knowledge and arguments on everything pop culture and fandom. Based in the beautiful Beehive State, Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture, and we are excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way. I'm Andy Farnsworth. Thanks again to our co-host and producer, Kellyanne Halverson. Please listen on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com or on the KSL News Radio app. If you have a fun idea or local fan culture topic you'd like us to explore, let us know by messaging our Facebook page at Fan Effect Show, where you can also get the latest nerdly updates and join in the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Fan Effect Show. That's E-F-F-E-C-T. And Twitter, same handle, at Fan Effect Show. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to have you back real soon for another episode of Fan Effect. Sorry. Here's Mommy cackling in the background. Okay, stop cackling. Hang on a sec. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles 
yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.